0: Coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves.
1: Hello, and welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. So, Are you living into your greatness? Is your enterprise achieving all that's possible? Would you even venture to say that you are fully aware of the array of possibilities available for both you and your company? I'm gonna be blunt here and say no. Why? Because your greatest possibilities reside beneath your current level of awareness, waiting patiently to be discovered and unleashed. Today's show will increase your level of awareness and demonstrate how you can tap into the wealth of knowledge and inspiration that's available in virtually every area of your life. I will introduce our guests in just a minute, but first, since this show is called Coaching for Real, let's examine the word coach for just a minute. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, executive coaches, and many more. In fact, today's guest is a transformational coach. Why do these people call what they do coaching instead of say, teaching, training, or leading, or consulting, or even mentoring? What do these people all have in common? You see, we spent most of our lives learning from others through different mediums, such as books, classrooms, computers, radio, television, the internet, and one-on-one conversations. And those people fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, and so on. And by the time we leave formal education, where we've been subjected to information coming at us from all directions so we can memorize it, we're conditioned to look outside of ourselves for answers. And that's okay, because every one of us should be learning and growing every day. And there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. Now, today's show will reveal how you can innovate beyond the limits of what's considered possible for your business and your life and choose more of what actually matters in every moment. You see, your organization cannot outgrow the leader. And for you to achieve your greatness and allow your enterprise to flourish, there is one source of answers, other than God, that is far superior to what you can find in the world of knowledge. And that source is you. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema within your DNA. Your potential is infinite, but you will never find it by looking outside of yourself. No one can give you more potential because it's within you. You see, human potential is an inside out job and what you must tap into it because it's what's on the inside that eventually shows up on the outside. And that is precisely why coaches, including me, your host, and today's guest, are so important. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors, who are all valuable, your coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness. Coaches are able to ask you those searching questions that you were unable to ask yourself enabling you to see your challenges from an entirely new perspective, and then draw upon your internal greatness to reach your potential. You see, a coach does not bring you all the answers, because they know that the best answers don't come from them or from the world around you, they lie within you. Our guest, Jeffrey Slater, is a top researcher of leadership and self-awareness, which is what Coaching for Real has been all about since we first went on the air. Jeffrey has taken his research and applied it to the world of high-performing awakening entrepreneurs. He is a positive disruptor of psyches in a good way, having played the role of transformational coach for the last 18 years to over 3 million people from 12 different countries. He has shared the stage with thought leaders like Sir Richard Branson, Brian Tracy, and Tony Robbins. He questions the validity of those limiting beliefs that are holding leaders back. So whether you're building a million dollar company or about to break through to the seven figure mark, there are some common human behaviors that Jeffrey will help you embody faster than anyone else. Some of the world's biggest game changers, social entrepreneurs, internet marketers, and consultants have reported that Jeffrey's golden edge sharpens self-awareness and leadership and integrate purpose with profits in a way that brings greater meaning to the work they are doing. So Jeffrey, welcome to Coaching For Real.
2: Thank you. Uh, Gratitude for being here, and thank you for the the very exact uh, positioning of what a coach is, and really it's about us going back to the original premise of who we are as human beings. So thank you for that, Ronald. You're welcome. You're welcome. How are you doing today? Yeah, very well. It's nice. It's morning here in
1: Sydney. It's quite good. Okay. great. Thank you for being our guest, huh? yeah,
2: Jeffrey. I've been it. doing
1: I've been doing this show for some time, and I I can't remember a guest with a bio that's quite as I guess unconventional is the best word I I can find yeah. as yours. <laughs> now there yeah. are two statements on your website. I'd like you to paraphrase. I'd like to paraphrase, and then ask you to give me a, a brief introduction into their meeting. Huh? I'll start sure. with the first one. It says. Uncovering a Unique, Effective Combination of How Ancient Wisdoms Integrate into Modern Leadership and Self-Awareness for the High-Performing Entrepreneurs. Can you you give us an introduction into that?
2: Yeah. Well, this comes from my research with spending time with high-performing entrepreneurs in kind of the unspoken world where they're not not as much talking about it publicly, but many of the greatest entrepreneurs out there, they, they leave the... The anthill or the Rent Race, and they go to the jungles of Peru, or the mountains of uh, of Cusco, and or and or the Andes Mountains, and they they get away from the busyness and they spend time with ancient people who have a real connection to the ancient wisdom of the land and the and the earth, and they tend to come back with more empathy and self-awareness. And what they do is they apply that to the businesses. It increases their ability to lead. And then when there's more empathy within themselves, then they're employees tend to be more engaged and the overall retention of good good employees stays higher and their profits go up so uh, ancient wisdom is the I guess the the shovel for finding empathy within ourselves and our symbiotic relationship with everything around us
1: oh wow that's that's, that's great thoughts Uh, the second one um, it says upon your exploration and research of those deep transformational tools are leaps ahead of conventional modalities and leadership training. So, can you kind of introduce us to that that phrase as well?
2: Sure. Um, leaps ahead. You know, if, as I hear that, I would actually say that that it's it's exactly where it needs to be too. Um, I find that often in my 18 years of coaching and working with people, there's I can I used to get lost in the modalities of of of, of change work. And also, often the modalities themselves, the coaching would become the cage to the to, for the magic of the transformation to occur. So we're most often coaches work with modalities and tr- uh, I like to start with the the place of not knowing and then starting there versus knowing. And what I've discovered in my journey is how little I know and there's so much more to learn. And so to be at the edge um, of, of that, we need, to, we need to be aware that maybe we don't know much at all about the mystery of this universe mm-hmm. and instead of... And, and to coach from that place, then the magic is allowed to come forth.
1: Wow. That's, uh, that's deep. That's great. Um, so before we get deeper into some of these topics that we just you know basically touched on on the surface, I think it's important to gain a better understanding of you and how you became a top researcher of leadership and self-awareness. Now, on your website, you break your journey into sections. So can you start with your early years and kind of describe that for us?
2: Early years I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, and and then I grew up in an extremely entrepreneurial family. My father really struggled financially and to provide for the family at the beginning. And but while he did his first startup and then sooner or later his startup was acquired when we were in Hawaii. It was a software startup. So as a young boy, I I grew up around entrepreneurism and I watched the struggles of it and I realized that that, You know it's not all that it's, it's not all that's cracked up to be. To degree, the degree we can accept things going right. We can also accept them have to be able to accept them going wrong. And there were serious challenges and shadows of entrepreneurs, struggles financially, long nights. I watched my father go through stress in the family. but then, but then with his persistence, which I find is a key attribute of an entrepreneur, um, his company ended up getting purchased. And I watched us go from struggling to having more choices in our life. And uh, and then part of the acquisition was we were required to move to Silicon Valley as a family. So we picked up the family, went up to Silicon Valley. And then that acquisition also required my father to work within the company that acquired him. That's what they call golden handcuffs. And he had those for a few years. And then he started another company. And we're all a little bit upset because we knew that when his dad starts a company, it could be challenging. And, uh, and it started on a kitchen table, and I asked my father, why'd you start on a kitchen table? And he said, because I'm bootstrapping the company. And uh, what ended up happening was, fast forward years later, uh, growing up, what I, uh, the, the company people may know about is called Odesk, which is, um, he's the first co-founder and CEO of that company, and then, and he's no longer there anymore, but he got it going, and I got to watch that that, those are the years that I grew up watching that company get started. And it's probably one of the biggest, it is the biggest in the industry right now. And uh, But I, have, I had to pave my own path. So I started, went to school and got one of those degrees and wasn't very good in school at all, actually. Um, pretty much horrible. I, but, but I realized that maybe I'm not supposed to learn, maybe I, I learned differently than most people. So when I was 21, I managed to buy my first property, um, saved up a lot of money for my job, bought a a property, flipped it. Fast forward by the time I was about 27, invested in multiple millions of real estate. Um, and then, but all the while I was secretly attending lots of seminars and going to retreats and ashrams and spending time in silent meditation while I was acquiring real estate. And then what happened was, um, I, by the time I was about 27 or so, I invested in this big development project that was supposed to be a sure thing and did this. And, uh, and it ended up like totally going under, and it brought me down with it, and lost millions and millions of dollars. And um, and then one day I got invited to another se- to a seminar to actually attend, and I really didn't want to go at all. I was quite miserable. What I learned in that moment is sometimes the times that you don't want to go is the time to go, and it doesn't feel right, but you do it anyway because of what you're committed to. So I went to the seminar. Guy calls me up in front of the stage, and he says, "Jeff, haven't you been studying, you know, esoterics and transformation work for years, and..." And he goes, why don't you? And he invited this other woman on stage with me, and who had issues around money. And all I could think about was the over ten million dollars I I'd lost. Um, and and, I, and he goes, and I knew that he knew that, and I was really upset. And he goes, work with her around her relationship with money. And what I realized in that moment was he was actually working with me. And I asked her all kinds of questions, and she began to have a shift around it, just two questions. And I realized in that moment that that all my modalities were pretty much useless, and the only modality that was. Useful was the number one modality for all coaching which is love and she started to unfold and started to cry and the audience um, kind of resonated with her and he said how many of you would like to see Jeff again Um, and then uh, some of the audience raised their hand he says come back next month you'll be the transformational speaker (laughs) so I guess (laughs) while I was yeah and then that's what happened then fast forward years later um, ended up on the biggest stage in the world, you know, making seven figures, doing what I love, and then also led to many business opportunities as well outside of uh, outside of just speaking, coaching, and training.
1: And this is, you, you're telling me this is totally unscripted. You had no idea who was going to bring you up to the stage.
2: <laughs> no, I was so scared. He actually, like, called me out. He goes, his name was Sunil, and I'm very grateful for him. And he said, he goes, Jeff, come up here. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's that moment when you get asked to stand up and you don't want to, but you know yeah. you, you got, your soul makes you stand. It was like one of those.
1: Man, that's pretty amazing. In fact, that's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. You, know, you never know what little thing in your life, what, what one moment in your life is like this pivotal moment that just takes you to a whole new level
2: that um, you're ex- not even expecting. That's exactly what it was, Ronald. It was, it was one of those moments I find in myself it's those little tiny moments that make the biggest changes in my life.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Now, can you talk to us about the next wave of human potential and business psychology? I'm changing the subject just a
2: little bit on you, but... Sure. Um, the next wave, uh, the next wave is, is a wave where the mind, the heart, and the soul are all integrated. And we're working from the original premise of who we are as human beings beyond the cultural programming and the indoctrination systems that are programmed on us from an early age. And we're going back to that premise, and we're operating from that place. And it's more of a an inner knowing, and it's a self-awareness place. And, it's, and from that place, we're able to birth whatever our role is in this world. But we have to be willing to... to to let our identity die of being separate, our identity of not being good enough um, die. And what I found is that identity coherence is the most important thing for human beings. And I know it is for myself as well. And and until I started spending time outside of the Western thinking, uh, I was really afraid to let my identity die. And as I began to do that, I f- found out more and more how little I know about this universe and there's so much more to learn. And as I discovered that within myself, I realized that most of my life including most of the achievements and the things I was led to believe that were so-called made me successful were a lie.
1: Well, That's a big revelation.
2: Yeah, it was pretty big. <laughs> but you talk about,
1: you talked about, you know, the, the uh, thinking that you're not good enough. And then how do you, I mean, are we, are we all in that kind of position in some way, shape or form?
2: Well, I mean, I can only speak from my direct experience of my journey. And and I feel that everyone else has their own journey. And so for me, deep down, uh, some of what drove my success was deep down, I didn't, I didn't feel good, like I was good enough as a kid. I was, you know, in school, I was labeled with ADD and dyslexia, whatever they call it. I had this, and And so I think there were some scars there at the time. And I wanted to prove that I was worth something. So then Part of that drove my success, and I'm grateful for that because it shaped me. But once I transcended that, I realized that that whether I so-called get successful, you know, with every you know all the applauses and all the money or whatever, it it means really nothing. What matters is is my direct experience of my gratitude for life itself. And until I have that, I have nothing. But I'm grateful for that experience because it brought me to that point of realizing that that uh that the secret to life is just gratitude for the moments and gratitude for for um, for the people around me and, and my own expression of who I am and, and discovering that. So, you know, it, it's a journey. It's a journey. Definitely
1: is. Well, we're coming up to our first commercial break. And so um, I would like to, I can stop right now. We're just at the right place. So when we turn, I'm going to switch on uh, Jeffrey and go from focusing on who he is to um, what he does. Of course, what he does, you know, who he is, kind of fuels what he does, but I want to switch uh, the topic just a little bit. So stay tuned. We will be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Imagine a relationship where you're given the opportunity to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, an alliance designed to help you achieve your intended outcome. Discovering that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Your coach is passionate about helping you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness at RonaldGraves.com. That's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, Back to Coaching for
1: Real. Welcome back. We're talking to Jeffrey Slater, a top researcher of leadership and self-awareness and commonly referred to as a positive disruptor of psyches. Now, hey, I'm prepared to get my psyche disrupted. How about you? Uh, Actually, I think it's already started after the first uh, segment. So when Broke for Commercials, Jeffrey, we had kind of covered your life story and your journey So I'd like to move the focus just a little bit to uh, what you do. So, if you could start off by telling us about your high-level strategy for the leaders who are quietly, or maybe not so quietly, um, changing the game in their industry.
2: Sure. You know, um, if I say strategy, I would I'd be not saying. Ah, uh, the full measure of it. I I feel that each of us, the the true the true strategy is that there is no strategy, and it's a trusting, a trusting of of our souls, a trusting of the universe. I often find myself scared to trust the the path of life sometimes, and I my my need to try and control things is usually getting the what getting in the way of the real strategy that transcends all strategies, which is trust, trusting oneself, and and my my Western program thinking uh, is always wants me to, to, to try and control everything. And usually that's coming from fear, fear of being separate, fear of, fear of not being enough. And so what I'm constantly reminded of is the most important strategy is to trust, trust oneself.
1: Okay. That's good. Now I mentioned to you earlier, I asked that question to you earlier about that kind of fear of, 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 uh, not thinking that you're good enough. Now you do a lot of coaching. you, you said you could just only talk about yourself, but as you as you do your coaching, do you find that some of those limiting beliefs that you uh, run into are, are kind of the same as what you've got?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I do find that. In fact, I'm so grateful for the audiences because they, they'll sometimes show me the areas I need to work on in my own shadows, and I'm grateful for them. So I often see similarities amongst, uh, amongst the human beings, all of us, including myself. No one's above or below anybody else. So I've definitely found that. And so… Grateful for the the clients I've had and the audience I've had.
1: Good. Tell me, what are you noticing is happening with those high-performing, what you call awakening entrepreneurs, with companies doing over a million dollars in revenue?
2: Well, the thing that seems to be going on is there's an unspoken um, leadership modality being woven into the fabric of, you know, the, the even the $10 to $100 million plus one that no one's talking about, and very few people are. And uh, they're doing it behind the scenes and working behind the scenes. And I know this from first time experience, but, but the people that are doing this work are on publicly traded companies and they can't talk about it because the public's programming will project insecurities on them. But really what they're doing is they're stripping away their programming by getting outside the anthill and the rant race and they're going to the jungles of peru and to the andes mountains and spending time with medicine men and medicine women who really have a deep connection to the earth and and what it is to be human and they're willing to lay their identities on the table and smash their identities and, and really annihilate their sense of self to go back to to figure out what's beyond that so they can become human again and the way they're doing that is is by um it's by spending time with Medicine men, medicine women with ayahuasca, wachuma, um, maybe even other sacred medicines like Cambo and Sonora Desert Toad and these medicines. And, and, you know, I can say that, that, th- you know, Wayne Dyer and many others talk about these medicines. And, um, and when I say medicines, people, the Western world will think of them as drugs when really, you know, I, Tim Ferriss just talked about it in his Tools for Titans book. He doesn't know a billionaire that hasn't worked with a psychedelic, um, and, and, and I can say the same. So what I can share with you guys is there's a, there's a world going on of, of, of remembering, uh, our connection to the plants and connection to these medicines that these, that has been held, held for us in the jungles and the Andes mountains by really incredible medicine men and medicine women where the Western world deems it as wrong. And that's what they're doing that they don't talk about because, and it's okay. That they don't talk about it because, because it puts them at jeopardy because of the projections But they're working with ethiogens and they're doing deep, deep, deep work so they can become better leaders. And they're stripping away the programming to go back to being human so they can bring more empathy to their leadership and more empathy to their corporations. And with that, empathy increases profits.
1: Now, you see, they're going away and doing this. And, of course, they're not letting anybody know about it. But when they come back and there's so much changed, is is that not something that people can notice or is it? Is it just sort of below the surface?
2: Um, They do tell their closer circles, and they do tell some of them have the courage to come out and do it, and some of them it's just not their path to say it. Uh, But I can say that a majority of the big the big thought leaders have done this work, and uh, and and it's not their place to talk about it. Maybe maybe it's not it's my place to talk about it. I'm fine with doing that, but um, but majority of executives do do this work, and how it changes them is. They 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 realize that that having another hundred million in the bank is not necessarily the answer, and they be, they move from being a corporation a you know a dead entity to being human. Like for example, let's just say Richard Branson. You know he's really nice to his he he creates he creates an environment a family for his employees as best he can. Now he doesn't always get it right, but he does the best he can um, to do that, where he treats his employees like family and as best he can. And so that was that's what tends to happen is. The corporations, the, 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 the people that go work for the corporations don't need to check their humanness at the door anymore. And, uh, and that's a real relief where it becomes about profits and people again.
1: It seems to me like, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me like the people who are working for these leaders who are making this transformation um, are gonna, uh, will feel better about the environment they're working in, or at least they will probably notice the change very, very obvious, I would think.
2: Very much so. Uh, and that's that's the goal is leadership when when the CEO, the, the company is a reflection of the CEO. And so if the CEO is developing more empathy, a greater connection with the earth, a greater connection with self-love, then the, then naturally what happens is the entire team starts to get a get in resonance with that. And it makes it a better place to work. And when the place is better to work, we retain better. Cl- we retain better talent. And then we ultimately the business is more successful.
1: Obviously, it's a better place to work. Everybody wants to be there. Yeah, exactly. Who would who would who wouldn't like a place that's
2: you wake up every morning and you're excited to go to work at?
1: I mean, Seriously, who would like to do that?
2: Yeah, uh, or create or, or create a space where that's what you create for people. You know, yeah. some people their job is to go work at that place, and some people their job is to create the community for that.
1: I think that's maybe a lot of the reason a lot of people become entrepreneurs is because they want to get out of that. You know, the situation that is, is you know, is, is just really, you know, difficult and kind of create their own environment, create their own environment for their clients and their yes. their own workers and that. So they, you know, to get out of the corporate, you know, box or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Excellent. So. I'm going to switch the question on you. We, we're talking about feeling good and having all these um, good things happen and, and positive influence. I'm going to switch it to. What have you found to be the biggest fear of these million-dollar CEOs?
2: It's a fear of uh, losing their identity and everything they built. They're very vested in their identity of being successful, and they're they're vested in the opinions of others and their board members and where the company and and in the news and what the shareholders have and, and they're very vested in that. And so when all that gets challenged, they have to really go back to. Be uh, to themselves and ask why they started the company in the first place. And and oftentimes, the vision of the company that they first started, they they realize and they awaken to the fact that the company is not not what the original vision was. And then they have to re- either readjust the ship to go towards a different direction or they leave.
1: I was just going to say, as you were mentioned, as you were talking about that, that you know, if you change your identity and 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 you have to lose your identity in order to become who you want to be, um, that's not. You know, it's not going to fit with some of the, like I say, the uh, the board or some others. They're they're going to try to make that to keep that from happening. And yeah, they will. So, you got you got a, you got and, a choice and, to make.
2: Yeah, it's a tough choice, and you know, I'd I'd rather choose to be human uh, and live for my own soul's journey. And I think as Dr. D. Martini said, I'd rather have the whole world against me than my own soul. And that's a big confronting thing that CEOs sometimes have to deal with. And uh, it's a thing that makes a CEO or breaks a CEO. Okay.
1: Well, you may have already sort of answered this question, but my next one is, can you tell us what you found by exploring what is beyond the personal development and all the hype? Uh,
2: yeah, I found myself in my journey of, of being obviously in this space for years uh, that that uh, doing a lot of this, this work of working with others i i have i can sometimes find it distracting from my own journey and what i realized was that the work of working with others and trying to change the world can be very distracting from from changing yourself and so so it's a fine line and it's a shadow side of, of changing the world is we also must include ourself in that and so what i've discovered is the work I do myself is just as important, if not more important than the work I do to change the world. So the work, so for all of us listening here our if you want to change the world, we just start with ourselves.
1: That's, that's a very good point. And when you talk about changing the world, um, and as you're doing, you know, as you're, as a coach and a leader and all that that you do and, and a, and a thought leader, um, you can't change people that don't want to change. Is that, you, know, you, yeah. you find sometimes that, that people are resistant to, um, to getting beyond, you know, their identity and giving that identity up, and they just don't want to do it.
2: Yeah. Okay. They're out there, and uh, oftentimes, if I if I really want to, if they're committed to not changing, and that's what they want, um, then it's usually my own resistance and my own insecurities that want to change them. So I usually just let them be, and they'll come around yeah. when they come around. And and I used to right. want to really change it for them, but uh, it's too exhausting. Yeah. I'll go I'll go work with the people that are ready to change
1: yeah exactly right, I'm going to ask you to define a term that you use that i I love the term but i I need to understand a little better. the dirty
2: trap of achievement sure so the dirty trap of achievement um is that we've been fed as human beings in this mainstream culture a lie about what achievement actually is. It, there's been a programming of achievement. You know, I watched a lot of James Bond as a kid, and I used to think that when I'm finally it's like James Bond or some crap like that, that I would be somebody. And I, when I had a nice house and a nice car and money in the bank, that that is achievement. And what I realized was that I was totally lying to myself and I had been lied to. And achievement. Is not as cracked up to be. And it's a dirty trap, and there's a, there's something beyond achievement, which is um, which is which is really gratitude for the mundane things, you know, good clean water, uh, feet in the sand. And if we can have that, then the other side of achievement, when the house comes, the house doesn't own you. You own a house. Got
1: it. Now, we're talking about our identity, and you're talking about achievement and identity. Do those two things. Those things, two things, have a correlation. And if so, how they are they do. correlated?
2: Yeah, I feel they do. As, our, as, as if we're willing to to let our identity die, um, then we often. I know for myself that 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 my identity was was shaped by society and mainstream society. And uh, and when I started to be willing to let that part of myself die, I found my I found I found another version of my identity. The one I really get to that I get to choose. Which is, which is recognized as my symbiotic relationship with everything around me. And, uh, and that meant I had to table the identity of what I was fed when I was very young from mainstream culture and indoctrination system, like school and other things. And that was very scary. And I asked that the leader listening to this, you, ask, you maybe ask the question who are you beyond your identity? What, what is there? Maybe there's a timeless being that exists. And and biggest thing is the fear of death for human beings, and and we have a lot of a lot of energy wrapped up in that fear, and uh, and when we are able to re- redistribute that energy to our soul's purpose, our soul tends to take take hold, and we can trust the universe again, and then trust the flow of life again. Okay,
1: good. Um, when you talk about the identity being shaped by the culture, and that now you now you can you grew up in the U.S., so you know you grew up with one kind of a culture and one kind of. Um, country, I guess you could say, as you, as you work with people around the world, what do you, do you find it different from different countries or different, you know, parts of the world where they're called the culture they grew up in is going to be a little bit different than what, uh, what you were experienced.
2: Yeah. You know, I, because I've, I'm, I've been all over the world and, uh, I find that, that main any culture has uh, like mainstream culture has that i the etymology, etymology of the word culture means cult. And, uh, culture, and we need to be careful of the culture that we sign up for that we didn't know we signed up for. And America has wonderful things about America, but there's a lot of things as well that are not so useful that America breeds into their young children. Um, And I, I, I too had that within myself, which is that that I need to prove myself, and if I don't do some, do these kinds of things, then I'm, a, then I'm a nobody. And the idea that we're separate is very programmed into the American culture. And I feel that time now we stop, we need to stop doing that. We need to look at what unifies us, and what unifies us in America, is our love for sovereignty and our love for freedom. And I feel that that's in great, great jeopardy right now. And it's time that we all unify. Remember our, remember that what unifies us is that, that quest for sovereignty and. And and right now, if we're not careful, we're going to lose it.
1: Very true. Very true.
2: A couple of things I want to talk about here in the
1: few minutes we have left before our next break. One, I'm fascinated by your use of the term, and it's hard for me to pronounce it, entrepreneur. Can you define that term for us?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, an entrepreneur, so there's entrepreneur, and the mm-hmm. entrepreneur – this is very general so this is my own definition people can take a okay. leave it. Um, but an entrepreneur is' it's all it's about making money it's about profits it's about you know paving your own path and it's about achieving things and that's great. Then there's then there's the corporate world which is about only about profits and you know maybe the mission may not be as important, but it's about profits. Okay. Then there's an entrepreneur and the entrepreneur is, is is their number one priority is their soul's growth. So they will literally burn their business to the ground if it means them growing. If if it means their soul stopped growing, they will do that to grow their soul. And so an entrepreneur prioritizes inner growth and soul's growth over over profits, above all else. So it's 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 it's, it's opposite, basically, yeah. right? It's it's the opposite, and 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 so they're 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 here. Their business is is part of their soul's journey and it's not just hey i'm here in business cuz i want to achieve and be cool it's it's an entrepreneur is here to 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 the the business is the vehicle of the soul's growth and that's an entrepreneur. And that is what is a priority above all else. Because I don't know about you, but other people in this world, the people that are really committed to growth, they will do anything to grow their souls. And that's why we perhaps why we incarnate here. I didn't incarnate here on this planet to get a white picket fence and a nice house. I mean, I came here for far more. And for entrepreneurs out there, I would assert that maybe they're the same.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. i uh, got a couple minutes left. I'm going I'm to use another term um, or phrase, I guess. You um, as leadership coach is a phrase that you lose use that you talk about helping leaders deepen self-awareness. Now that's fairly traditional, but beyond that, you help them develop an empathic connection with the natural world. So you probably touched on this, but but dig down deep into that. But you call that empathic connection?
2: Well, the empathic connection to the natural world is is I don't want to say it's special because we're all have, we're, we all have we all have the ability to have it and we all have it within us. So as soon as it becomes special, it becomes something that might be unattainable. And so it's not about, it's actually quite normal. It's like human beings right now, we eat food, we drink water, we have sex. Well, we have a natural connection to the natural world. And unfortunately what's happened is is, is that the Western culture, mainstream programming has done its best to either try and beat the natural world instead of working with it and together with it. And so we need to, so Essentially, the natural world is, is our divine birthright and our connection to it. And when we reconnect to our natural selves beyond the programming, we're more in harmony with the earth and we're more in harmony with the universal law that exists. And then we're actually following our soul's path. And then life becomes easier and, and more graceful.
1: Yeah. I think we would all like life to be easier and more graceful.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just having to find it is the, is the challenge.
2: Exactly. Okay, we're coming
1: up on our final commercial break. When we return, I would like to talk a little bit about Jeffrey's book, Imagine, Start a Revolution in Your Life and Business. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television?
2: Let us surprise you.
0: Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're given the opportunity to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, an alliance designed to help you achieve your intended outcome. Discovering that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Your coach is passionate about helping you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness at RonaldGraves.com. That's RonaldGraves.com. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real.
1: Welcome back. We're talking to transformational coach Jeffrey Slater We broke, we were discussing some of the things that Jeffrey does in his business and his, uh, and it, uh, we just really, in my opinion, scratched the surface on that. He's, he's gotten pretty deep, but uh, there was a whole lot more that I know that uh, we probably didn't touch on, but we might get back to that. But in the meantime, I want to switch and talk a little bit about his book called Imagine Start a Revolution in Your Life and Business. So Jeffrey, can you tell us where you got the idea to write a book?
2: You know, the, I don't know. It just came to me, and one day I just started writing. And the Imagine was is a great book, and people should read that. It came. I think it came from years and years ago. I read the book Jonathan Livingston Siegel and it was one of my mm-hmm. favorite books. Okay. And and I didn't want to write a self help book. I wanted to write a story. So I wrote the book Imagine uh, as a story, which led me to another book right now, which I'm really more excited about. But I'm excited about both. But but you know, I'm. As soon as I write the book, I'm, like, ready to write another one. So I wrote this other <laughs> book called Evolutionary Entrepreneur, which is basically the journeys of what the most highest-performing entrepreneurs, billionaires, and 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 uh, and very high-performing entrepreneurs have done and worked with and their relationship with some of the tribes and the ancient wisdom that exists and what they learned from it and what they brought back from their companies. So Imagine is a nice nice stepping stone towards that. Um, I'd
1: love to get that second book. I have the book Imagine, but I haven't haven't seen the other one, so find out here before we end the show how to get the your newest book Yeah. now you talked about you know the story concept coming from Jonathan Livingston Seagull but but I mean did you when you first started writing it did you just start writing the story part of it or did you think about maybe the what the meaning was going to be and, and some of the the lessons you wanted to lead and teach
2: it came to me because I, I live in this place called Byron Bay and, I, and, it, and it's on the ocean and there's all these dolphins that that are always surfing out front uh literally you, you go out here and almost every couple of days there's dolphins on surfing waves and i really like to watch them all surf and uh and so i was watching the dolphins and i, and I was looking at as like a metaphor and i sometimes i wish i could be a dolphin out there because i surf all the time and uh i guess the book started to write itself within me when when uh When I saw these dolphins, I said, I want to write about that. And I also also share some tangible takeaways because it'd be a little cheesy just to write about dolphins. True.
1: Now, you mentioned in the introduction that the first few chapters are a bit out there. So explain what you mean by that.
2: Well, they're out there for people that are in there. When you're out there, they're very normal. Um, the thing is, is we as human beings are, many of us are going, are going sane in an absolutely insane world and we feel like we're out there, but actually we're going sane. You know, when a medicine man or a medicine woman, um, they when they go to a quote mental hospital, they don't see men. They don't see sick people. They see men. They see spiritual people in spiritual crises. There's a spiritual crisis right now going on across the planet, and we're all awakening to our origin, to who we are beyond all this programming stuff and all this war and all this famine is part of the alchemy that's necessary for the awakening of the human collective population.
1: I like uh, that term you said. It just it just resonated with me. We're all going sane in an insane world. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like we're not like the world is moving and we're not fitting in
2: anymore. that what yeah. you're trying to say? It's yeah. it's like yeah, the world's moving back. The world is moving back to what matters to us, and what matters to us is is not just is 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 our connection to each other in this world, and and uh, and and good food and clean water and and time with our family and friends. That's what matters to us, and we're actually we're actually remembering that. And uh, we're stripping away all the crap that distracts us from that.
1: But when we remember that and we think about it, we don't we want to just like shift back and go? I don't I don't belong out there. That's you know that's isn't it kind of scary to think about that? And we want to get back into the into our into our comfort zones of of, of you know
2: say, sanity or whatever. Yeah, you know um, I found that for myself too. Uh, actually, what I found was that the. The awakening process, which we're on, is a very can be very terrifying and scary, and it's a little bit alienating. But as if you're willing to to buckle up and 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 go through it, you'll find there's many more people on the other side of that, and they're your tribe. and And you might lose some friends, you might lose some lose some so-called material things along the way, but you'll really find what matters to you at a soul level, not at a personality and programming level.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I, I, you know, when I read your bio and when I read it here at the beginning of the show as a transformational coach, I'm going, I wonder wonder what that really means. Now, after speaking to you for the last 20, 25 minutes, uh, I now know what that means. I know, Mm -hmm. I now know what you are as a transformational coach because I can, I can almost feel the transformation coming across the airwaves. Um, It's pretty amazing. Um,
2: Yeah, it, it really goes from, and it's, it's a, it's derived from uh, your ability to ask great questions and your ability to con- to contain a, uh, to contain ha- being having a different level of conversation because you're willing to go outside of your comfort zone and and it's one of the great attributes of a great coach is is they will go where your clients aren't willing they will go to they will love the parts of your clients they love the least and they're willing to go to the shadow sides of themselves so they can create comfort for all things including um, including space to have a different conversation so it's an, it's an attribute. That brings up another thought that 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 if we 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 make this transformation
1: for ourselves, I mean, how is that going to feel with all you know all when all of our friends and our business partners and you know all of our acquaintances are still you know still in the old sameness, and yet we're yeah. making this big transformation. How you know what happens with our relationships?
2: Um, well, they get terrified because you because you become a, um, a reflection of what they really want. All the programming and all the infiltration that they experience then kicks up in themselves and they either eject themselves out of your life or they get on board. And so it's it's one or the other. There's a splitting that occurs. So when we choose our soul's journey, anyone that's not on it doesn't come with it and they're very confronted by your presence and they're confronted by by who you are as a leader and they either leave or they get on board with themselves.
1: That's pretty much true in, in all in all leadership concepts. If you're going to move forward as a leader – you know, they can either move forward with you or not. Or if you're, if you're becoming an entrepreneur and, you know, all the people around you going, you can't, you know, what are you doing? You're you insane. You can't be successful. You need to stay with your job. So anytime yeah. that, anytime you make a big change in your life,
2: you know, some people aren't going to go with you. It's just the way it goes. And you know what, that's their journey and it's fine. And, and if we as entrepreneurs can't, can't survive being alone, uh, and alone, the etymology of alone is all one. If we can't survive being all one with ourselves, then then maybe it's time we 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 stop moving and reflect that we have deep fears and deep pain within ourselves that we can't be alone. So really, we we must be willing to to face that part of ourselves, or else or else we live as slave to the opinions of others.
1: Yeah, you only have to be alone, but you also have to sometimes, you know, you're going to have arrows shot at you. You're going to have. You know, criticism, and you're going to have to be able to field all that, right?
2: Yeah, totally. And I don't know any any great leader that has not had that happen. In yeah. fact, if everyone likes you, you're probably a shit leader.
1: Yeah, pretty true. <laughs> all right, let's. I'm going to go back to the book for a minute here. Um, you've got some unique elements in that book, and that's what we what you call the four tangible takeaways in each chapter. Uh, can you explain those? Let's start with embedded commentary.
2: Embedded commentary. Okay. Um, Remind me. I've written such. I'm like, what? What chapter? Help you've me got out You got those little
1: post-it notes or whatever you got in each of the chapters. I think that's that's what you got. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Got I remember those
1: sayings and all kinds of cool things. I'd have
2: to. I'd have to. I'd have to remember which one I I put in there. There's there were so many, but. Um, I can say Why that you, that the embedded commentary I'd say now that I'd like to embed is that is that you should just burn my book and the other one and go write your own. Um, uh, don't be a character in someone else's book. I think we need to go back to really writing our own books and becoming the authors of our lives again. So perhaps people should just, you know, if they just burn my book to the ground and then they they start writing their own, then my book has done its service. Great, great thought. I'm going to switch.
1: I'm going to go to Chapter 2, which is entirely Imagination which is of course the title of the book. But, you know, I don't think about sea creatures as having a lot of imagination, but then again, I haven't spent a whole lot of time underneath the surface exploring everything that goes on down there. So, you know, you talk about dolphins surfing, but is there more imagination than that when you when you look below the surface?
2: Very much so. Um, I th- think we as human beings, with because we only see one-tenth of a billionth of the light spectrum, I think we don't see a lot that goes on. There's actually there's actually a jellyfish that lives forever, um, that exists and it's immortal and uh, forever. Yeah, it actually lives forever. It's I I can't. It's a very scientific name. I heard of something. Heard of something. I don't remember the name of it. It starts with an age, But it actually lives forever and it's a light-based jellyfish and. Um, What that means is when it communicates, it actually communicates using light and it changes entire form into a light-based form. So when it communicates with another jellyfish, it just embodies the communication and the other jellyfish actually receives the full communication. We as human beings have to translate everything I say into a dictionary within your head and comprehend it. So perhaps there's more than we think is going on in this natural world and this natural world is a miracle in itself. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have a lot more to learn about it. Obviously, we can
1: uh, communicate without having to translate. That's, that's an incredible concept. And there'll be a lot of less wars. <laughs> that would be, yeah, yeah, we could all use a lot less wars. Yeah. Um, can we switch to your new book? And I don't, like I say, I haven't read your new book. I don't know that much about it, but, but uh, talk a little bit about, about it for just a minute, since you seem pretty excited about that book.
2: Yeah, I am. I am. Thanks, Arnold. Um, my new book is for those of you out there that have done a whole lot of personal development, like you've done a lot, you've mm-hmm. um, you've gone to the seminars, you've read the books, and yet you're still going. What's next? Maybe even you've been meditating your whole life. I know I have, um, and and you've done all the quote self help, and you want to move past self help. Because even the self help industry itself is a presupposing that you need help and you you're wondering what the quest is for more and you've exhausted all measures and you're you're literally at the end of your road with self quote self help. It's for you. I wrote that book for you and um it's it's really to encourage you to go on a quest that will scare the crap out of you, um, in a beautiful way. Not you, like your soul, but scare the crap out of your personality so that you can go and spend time in the jungles of Peru or in the Andes Mountains with people who really really have a deep connection with the earth to show you what it is to be, show us what it is to be human again. And unfortunately we as a Western society, we have, we have lost our connection to the humanness and we are all human. And, but to be human is incredible. And so it's a book to encourage you to be inspired, to go on a quest for your humanity again.
1: Wow. Well, that's, that describes me. That's self-help, self-help seminars, conferences, you know, everything you can think of, um, reading books, you know, for years, um, it kind of describes me. So, so give me a little, give us a little more of what, you know, kind of what is in it as far as, you know, what we can expect out of it, and what what your goal is for uh, for anybody who reads it.
2: What what I can what'll probably be expected out of it is it'll piss people off at first, um, because but it won't piss your soul off. It'll piss off the programming in you that. But that has been led to believe that these ancient tribes and these um, that, that they don't that they're archaic and they have nothing to offer us. It'll piss that part of you off that realizes that there's magic in those tribes, that they've been actually they've been actually containing the wisdom of what it is to be human uh, for years and years and years while we abolished many of their traditions. And, and you'll realize that you have a tribe. You are part of a tribe and that you're part of the human tribe again. And uh, and so, what you can expect is a reconnection to yourself. But most importantly, I, I, you know whether whether you read or not. I just want people to to go explore, spending time with these ancient tribes, and to bring back respect to them, because there's so much wisdom in the jungles of Peru and other parts of the world that that we're that if we're not careful, we're going to lose it.
1: Interesting the way you you talk about the tribes that haven't been kind of like spoiled by the rest of the world, and I. When I think about that, i mean, you know we would look at them as being very you know uh, maybe ignorant and maybe um, backward and all that, but yeah. but basically they have just haven't been. I'm going to use a term that's probably going to be controversial. They haven't been brainwashed by by
2: progress. I mean, they've I th- by I society
1: think, progress. I guess you could say.
2: You said exactly right. It is brainwashing, um, and and they haven't been brainwashed. You know, I was with this particular tribe, uh, and that that. That doesn't know what money is, and they're very, but yet they know what a hug is, and they know what a connection is to the plants, and they know what they know the relationship with the earth and the, the animals, and they know their relationship with gratitude, and uh, and if you and when that merges with the brilliant Western mind, um, then what we get is amplified gratitude, and we get a world that works. And so there's a prophecy they talk about the condor and the eagle, and that's when the ancient wisdom. Um meets the western world really and and then we amplify uh, a new world that's incredibly beautiful to live in, and is in harmony with nature and all of us and 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 they are part of the prophecy and they're waiting for us just like we're waiting for them and so i guess it's the condor and the eagle prophecy people can look it up cool well i could talk to you for more another
1: hour but we've just run out of time so how can our how can our listeners get in touch with you and, and take advantage of your services and even purchase a copy of you know both e-books, really. Yeah, your books.
2: yeah. They can go to Amazon.com, okay. and and I have the Evolutionary Entrepreneur on audio, cause and so that's there. And then they can also go to my website, to JeffreySlater, S-L-A-Y-T-E-R.com, and uh, and on there I have me and my dad talking about how to build uh, how to how to build hundred million dollar companies and how to make sure you're okay. Plus um plus there's thousands of documentaries. Plus there's free videos. People should just go there and go to town. I hope it supports them.
1: Uh, well, excellent thank you very much Jeffrey it's been a sincere pleasure having you on uh, Coaching for Real as our guest
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. thank you
1: I appreciate it Ronald thank you All alright All right. it's been my sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real may the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again we will see you next week
0: you for listening to coaching for real today be sure to join ronald graves again next thursday at 4 p.m pacific time and 7 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel we'll talk again very soon